Hello and welcome to another episode of the Owner's Box. I'm Andy Haynes, the uh, WAGME intern here at Crawley Town FC. Uh, and by here, I mean New York City. Uh, I am joined by my always, um, what would be a good adjective? Pause. Pause? You, you paused. This is, oh, this no, is no, I got to pause because I'm trying to think of the per this is it's awkward because you're not in the <laughs> video right now. I'm trying to intro you and then I like reveal that you're there, even though everybody knows you're here. The ever present, the always uh, wise Preston Johnson. That was, hey, that was the best you got. You had like eight minutes to think of that. Too. I got interrupted. I got interrupted and it's OK. It's OK. I'm not mad about it. How are you? Sun on my face. I'm good. I'm good. Things are good. Life's good. Uh Kind of excited we have a guest that is not officially an owner, but someone that people want to get to know better, especially if you're a local Crawley fan. And, you know, he's someone that we've worked with uh, previously. Um, and then we just brought him in full time because why not? So, uh, yeah, we can talk a little bit elsewhere before he jumps on. I know he's a couple minutes away, but um, yeah, just intrigued. I think it'll be a good interview and it'll be a little bit more unique. Um, relative to some of the other episodes we've done to get a deeper dive inside look on some of the the football dealings there at Crawley Town. I also like that he's um, he's uh, kind of um, he doesn't really want to do this. Um, I kind of <laughs> like that because he's every time I've asked him to do something, he kind of is like, "Yeah," and then he just walks away. Um, so I I like that because it means he's going to be honest. He is. He's. He, I mean, the, even a few times he's been asked questions by reporters. He'll usually just forward it to me, and then uh -huh. I'll respond, and it'll be under my name. I think one time I was like, "You should, you should take those." Uh, but he just likes to stay out of the spotlight. There's nothing wrong with that. So, no, uh, not at all. Just puts his head down and, and works hard. Yeah. Um, well, we'll intro him formally when he gets on the call. But his name is Chris Galley, and he is the director of football and the interim uh, CEO of Crawleytown FC. Um, we can ask him his background, but he comes from, uh, the worlds of stats bomb. Yeah. He was at stats bomb previously to this, uh, full time there before that. I mean, he was working for clubs. He was, uh, working, he was betting, uh, working for on that side of things, kind of a similar background to me and some of the others in the world of football or sport. Uh, so yeah, he can dive into it more deeply, but he was at prior Brentford, to coming right? to Crawley. He was there for a while. Yep. Um, has a good one network there, but also um, just uh, feeling an assessment on their processes and how they were able to make their move up from League Two to the Premier League. I think he was there mostly when they were at championship level uh, and maybe some League One. We'd have to triple check with him on that. But uh, he, he definitely took a lot from that and has a lot of ideas on how we can implement um, the things that worked well and uh, in Crawley and, and, and try to, you know, do something similar. Do you think, um, just having like had kind of a Rocky, um, I don't mean to say Rocky in like a pejorative way, but like, you know, just a bumpy beginning to the season. Do you think that we're still implementing kind of data driven football? Hmm. Or do you kind of have to like abandon data at a certain point just to survive? No, you never want to abandon data. The so I know I know we talked about this uh, for some separate stuff we're doing for the vlog, but just for this, 
just to give you guys an idea, and, and I spoke about it on the Q&A we did uh, in Discord yesterday, but um, so for example, Lewis has taken over for Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, we're unbeaten. Even if you're just, just look at the four league games. I know we also had the one uh, big win over Aston Villa. So the four league games, we're unbeaten. Everyone's buzzing. It's positive. We've gotten results, but we have to add a little more context and dig in a little bit more heavily. And, you know, one thing that we noticed uh, looking at the ends of all four of those league games, the final 30 minutes of each of those games, uh, we, we've gotten, even just by the eye test, this is why Eben's like, we should look into it. Uh, we've gotten beaten pretty poorly or pretty badly, I should say. And so you look at those four games, final 30 minutes, we've been outshot 37 to six. Wow. We, 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 we're like, it's like absolutely getting slaughtered. Uh, the XG in those four games, the final three minutes is 2.83 to 0.39. We've been beat by over 7X uh, our opponents in four 30-minute stints. Now, that's all coming at the ends of games. Part of it is because we've been up in a few of them. Maybe we're parking the bus a little bit. So tactically, maybe we need to make adjustments there. It's also because short-term, Lewis is like, we got to win. We got to get results. We're near the bottom of the table. Uh, he's playing the experienced guys he trusts that are older. And they're honestly just looks like they're getting tired. They look exhausted at the ends of these games. And then we're getting um, killed. So that's something where the data is telling us, hey, the first 60 minutes, we're actually playing well. We've improved. But the last 30 minutes of every game has been so poor that we've actually lost the XG battle in all four of those games. So the the numbers, the data, the metrics would say we've been lucky to have eight points. Don't worry, I'll cut out this part where you freeze. Even though it'd be pretty funny to just keep you, just the face you're making is kind of a funny face. It it, <laughs> it happens every like ten to fifteen minutes on Streamyard. I always have like a seven second reboot, and then it's fine. I don't know. That's just it's always been the case. But you know, I got roasted anyways, a lot yeah. on the Discord for my uh, technological uh, glitches like this. Do you think we need to get you a stronger Mac? It's possible. I have I have a pretty strong. When I was running models for betting sports, uh, I don't know. Mine's pretty strong, but it's I also have an external thing. It, it, I don't need another Mac. It's just I've always had trouble with Streamyard. I don't know why. Maybe we'll start a GoFundMe. We yeah. could start a GoFundMe. Yeah. <laughs> Preston has cancer, but he needs a new Mac. Just that's it. We, that's all. We don't yeah. need a GoFundMe for anything else. Yeah. Well, you don't have cancer, right? Well, they hopefully got rid of all of it last week. Um, That's great. Yeah, That's the good. operation went smoothly. There's a scan thing we're doing uh, next week, and we'll have more results. And hopefully, it's good. I was mostly just kidding. We don't. All right. Well, enough any, about I don't need GoFundMe's and his go bummer fund. about cancer. Uh, please welcome to the pod. Uh, we've already introduced him, but let's do it again. Uh, Chris Galley, CEO interim CEO and uh, director of football at Crawleytown FC. Let's go. Hey, Chris. Hey, how's it going? How are you? Uh, I've, it's cold and wet here. Yeah, you, made it it, is... you made it home. You're alive. I have like it, the sun no, shining alive. through my window on my face and Chris is like, oh, it's cold and wet over there. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's not. I mean, it, it's really weird because around Horsham, there seems to be this real microclimate. It just happens every single day where when the boys go out for training, it's there's no rain or anything. It's just like calm or sunny. And then for the rest of the day, it's just pouring down with rain at the moment. Um, 
Maybe it's and it's like just a, and, la- and last week was just insane as well. Oh, the week before was it? It was like eighteen degrees. I was wearing shorts. Um, <laughs> oh really? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's just been the most bizarre, uh, bizarre patterns of weather recently. But yeah, it's, anyway, it's yeah. um, I don't know what the Celsius is, but it's like seventy-five degrees in New York right now. It's very bizarre. Um, it's seventy-five degrees where Preston is always, though he's always got good weather. Um, Chris, so I, I just I introduced you a little bit. Um, we talked about your bo- background. You worked at uh, Statsbomb and previously in the world of betting, and also you consulted and worked at clubs. Uh, can you go into that a little deeper, just so we can give you some context? Yeah, of course. Um, I can't obviously I can't go into too much detail around it, just because of the uh, confidentiality agreements that were signed around some of the things. But uh, yeah, no, so. Um, as you, as you alluded to, originally started in the, in the betting world, in the betting sphere, um, and was working for a consultancy company called Smart Odds, uh, which is the, the owner of Brentford's, uh, main company, yeah, his company. Um, and then behind the scenes there doing a, different little projects for Brentford, uh, and supporting them and supporting them in whatever way I could. And it was a great insight and into the football world, I suppose, really understanding what was going on um, and also seeing how Brentford were approaching things uh, in different ways, you know, innovative ways that are new to football, um, especially, you know, going heavy on the data and seeing how they could apply that in different ways, different and new ways. And then uh, I joined Bright, uh, I joined Brentford permanently uh, working for them in the, in the scouting department, uh, working on analytics and looking at primarily European football, um, which then uh, set me up quite well uh, for the role at Statsbomb, where I was uh, advising a number of different European clubs. Cool. Um, particularly around data and recruitment. So um, did you come into football? Like, obviously you worked in the world of betting a little bit, but were you a fan previously like were you a, oh, are you a life lifelong fan and then that just turned into kind of that was the lane that you chose was kind of the data side of things fellow spurs yeah. supporter over yeah. here andy yeah a fellow spurs fan um my entire life my grandfather bought me my first spurs kit when i was about six days old um, oh wow uh, oh wow nice. yeah so i had like a proper spurs shirt when i was about six days old um so much so that I was desperate to wear it, even when I was still six years old and it looked ridiculous on me. Um, and that's just kind of how much of a ridiculous Spurs fan and football fan I am. Um, yeah, I've just always been obsessed with football. Um, I don't think I was ever going to be quite good enough for a professional player. Um, you know, it still breaks my heart saying that and breaks my own heart saying that. When did but, you realize that? How old were you? That's a great question. I would probably say I had a couple of trials with like a county level team, um, which is almost kind of and if the US, I don't know, the equivalent there is like your state team, if that makes sense, if there is such a mm-hmm. thing. I'm not sure there is. Yeah. Um, and that was like going through school age levels and didn't quite cut that. Um, yeah, I'd probably say around about 11, I think I kind, I, I kind of realized it. There was still that. Yeah still that hope in the back of their head 
the reason I asked is because like, it's crazy. The last time I was over there, I was talking to multiple people, and they're like, you kind of just know by the time you're nine or not. And if you're not, like, you move on. And if you are, you're at a good academy and you're trying to work your way up. But, like, it's so young to, like, ten, tell a 10 or 11-year-old, like, yeah, you don't really have a future in football. You should do something else. And is ridiculous. It, like, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Children grow and mature at completely different levels. That's true. Um, yeah. so much, and so much so. Uh, I, the, the one story I love to tell is about one of our players, and that's Nick Cerullo. Uh, Nick Cerullo and his how he is, you know, his age is not quite the same as his maturity in terms of, of as a footballer because he had two years out of the game. So he's completely different. So, I mean, he going to players and people and children grow at different different rates anyway. So, yeah, just to, to tell a nine and ten year old is brutal as well. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I've always I always felt there was this little spark in the back of my head. I go, I'd love to just play in the FA Cup first round that would that would be amazing to do that um we can put you on the we <laughs> two days yeah. yeah but that we can make this happen that that definitely was not a pitch um definitely not uh, i have okay. i have absolutely no aspirations um how long do you think you could play in a game like five oh, minutes one i reckon i'm best one? like okay. i'm pretty i'm yeah I, I'm going to blame you, Preston. Since taking this job, I've become pretty unfit. Um, <laughs> Zero <yeah>. exercise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I try. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to run once a week and go to the gym once a week at the moment. But the gym has kind of um, been put on hold at the moment. Uh, yeah, I just can't get find the time to go at the moment, unfortunately. But uh, that is what it is. And once we get a bit more settled and everything's uh, a bit more smoother, I think you know that that part of me will come back. But yeah, no, I no way. Like the sidemen at the moment, they're way fitter than I am way fitter and they're probably not fit enough to play professional football yeah yeah and i don't mean that like negatively it's just like you got to dedicate your entire life to yeah. play at this level it's, another and it's crazy it's crazy to me to think like i even look at i look at some of our players and they're like you know their whole lives are dedicated to football they've been training for a decade and a half they are healthy they don't you know they do all this stuff but they aren't even like even with that amount of dedication there's like light years between league two and the prem league which is just crazy because it's like at that point it's like you know just like it's like that nine-year-old thing it's like you really have to start when you're nine to get into the shape that you need to be and some of it's just god-given talent and stuff but um and that's not to say anything about like obviously our players are supremely talented and i i think all of them could could have huge careers in any kind of context of football, but it's just like, you just, it's just so hard to be fit to the level that you see at the very top flight of, of football. Just, just insane. Uh, the, dedica- like, the dedication as well, you know, there's the mindset and the dedication, I think more than anything. That's just wow. like Usain yeah, Bolt is- couldn't hang in, in, premier league football like he played in australia and he was fine or whatever but like that's a man who's one of the most fit people on earth and it still wasn't enough um yeah it's just completely different skill set and i remember watching those games um those were during my betting days uh i actually the australian a league was one of my leagues that I covered. It was one of them nice yeah and um so i i know I, I still keep tabs on it to a certain degree but generally i mean nowadays i'm so behind in terms of who's doing what but he was in there at that time i was just thinking 
were they generally like, overvalued from a market perspective just because his name was attached? Do you remember? No, I, I can't. The Mariners, can't right? Do you know what? Yeah, it's the Central Coast Mariners. I can't even remember the prices for those games and what happened yeah, now. Okay. But I just remember, I, I just remember uh, pricing those games and working out the probabilities and thinking, I'm just going to leave this. There's no value in me getting involved was... because if he comes on at half time or something like that, like it's just going to ru- essentially ruin any position that you might have. Could go either way. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it could go. It could go anyway. And when when there are those really difficult to quantify situations, um, we were we were always trained and told, and that it's just, sometimes it's just better to you know yes. leave it, pass it. Like you know, the amount the amount of coverage that we were having, it was it made more sense to focus, put your attention on something else, and really focus on those getting the right numbers for those games. Um, so let, Andy, just one second, because I have to drop for a meeting in five minutes. But one thing that I know some fans have asked me directly to kind of just jump in more to what your day to day is like at Crawleyton Football Club now. Um, just give give everyone an idea of what it is that you're doing. I know it's a pretty wide range of stuff outside of football as well. And like people are aware, like, you know, we're trying to do a lot. Um, we're probably understaffed in the office. Right. And so you've come in to try to help on that front. Uh, and feel free to be as honest or upfront about any of it, just because um, I think it's interesting. But like, you know, one thing that comes to mind is just like the accommodation thing. I'll let you get into it a little more. But like that was something that for months we were trying to get sorted and you came in and you were able to kind of solve it um, within a few weeks and just little things like that that add up. So, yeah, kind of take it away. But I wanted to make sure I got that kind of preface in there before I have to drop in a few minutes. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, the football side takes up a lot of it anyway. Um, and yeah, I'm around training most time, most of the days there, just because I want to be around around the squad and around the manager, and especially especially at the moment, supporting Lewis as much as I possibly can, uh, and just reassuring the players. You know, the, the, you know, we're in a much more stable position now, and so that takes up a lot of the time. Uh, then, I think the the, fir- the first one that really hit me when coming into this job was uh, uh, bringing in a new kit man, and mm. that was just. Uh, I don't, yeah, I hadn't been told at the time that he'd only got a couple of weeks, or he'd agreed to leave in a couple of weeks rather than a couple of weeks' notice. Uh, and then it was reminded to me about four days before he was due to leave, and that was kind of like a, uh, can I swear? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, was, I was like, shit. That was literally, <laughs> my first thought was shit. This is not good. Um, so, yeah, I mean. The, the office staff chipped in there and they were amazing. Um, and the, I mean, some of them are still doing it to a certain extent because we brought someone in to help us out. Um, he's come in as more of an assistant role. Uh, he's doing a great job as well. And uh, so we've got a couple of interviews next week to help find that support, support that process. But that was the first one that really hit me in terms of let's just taking up so much time at people's time that and we're already understaffed. So it's a case of like, right, okay, we're going to make this a success that, so, you know, we need to do this properly and, took some consultation around it as well just a bit uh, from people who have done it in the past and say you know and, and who knew the club as well I, I felt that was really key um and that they you know they've been really helpful in that in that situation and they said look this is how i'd structure it but everyone has their own way and yeah. uh, you know i think having that process in place to start, first of all is really important but then also allowing those those people to really find the situation uh find, uh, find the best way to do to do it and operate um yeah, then there's the accommodation. Uh, so, obviously, athletes in hotels is 
and for me it's just an absolute no no um uh, especially for some of our loan players who are here with us at the moment you know we're, we're contracted to make sure they've got good accommodation uh you know they need to be eating well resting well all of that and just just had to get sorted yeah had to get sorted as soon as possible um and it just took it, it essentially i took one morning off from going to training and just walked around the local estate agents making sure they could see my face um because phone calls and emails weren't getting anywhere so just walking into a estate agent saying right i want every single one two three four bedroomed uh, play, uh house flat apartment that you've got to rent at the moment i want to look at it as soon as possible i want to get in there and anything that comes on the market put me to the top of the queue because you know we can build up a strong relationship and uh, going forward and i feel like i've done that now um but then also in the you know, so apartments flats houses don't come up straight away so I've managed to put them into some airbnbs in the as well in the process uh in the interim so that they they're actually in proper accommodation rather than hotel room hotel bed ordering or yeah having crap food in the evenings you know so they're <laughs> getting proper fueling now um so i mean yeah that's all been sorted now um commercial manager bringing someone that's on that side of it um ideally i think we were probably looking for someone with a with a bit of football experience but at the same time uh, because of the role and the nature of the role it's going to be really important for them to build up local local relationships especially if the wagme group just opens up the bit the wider the wider commercial opportunities having someone who's much more focused on the local side of it um, and making sure that we're not uh, forgetting about the local community and the local companies that we offer, that we work with on a daily basis so um they're starting next week um just trying to think more on the office side of it what i've been doing day to day um yes yeah, so, yeah so the training whenever it's on games whenever they're on um watching a game in the evening or in the afternoon if even on video or live if i can um just because we're starting up you know really trying to do a big push on the recruitment side um, yeah, i know you've been of, working with some scouts too just to kind of like a, watch more film and video yeah and games and just got get, a, yeah. yeah so i've got a couple of scouts in now and as well it's just a case of like make sure we're monitoring our players out on loan so that they're playing you know they're developing well or playing the playing how we want them to play to ensure so ensuring that's all going well um looking at bringing in a more permanent recruitment analyst into the into the team uh who can just, yeah be do more of the organizing administrative stuff on the recruitment side rather than leave it down to me um and also yeah just pulling all that information that we're bringing into the club from our scouts outside at the moment um so yeah that that's been yeah it's just been building everything essentially building from um, I'm pretty sure Preston, you've talked, spoke about this a lot, um, and I know you've mentioned it and a couple of other things about you know all the great things that Wagby have done for Crawley Town. That the club we we took over and it was there was not really much there. Um, mm -hmm. So you know we, we are putting in the foundations and the building blocks to make this club a success, not just tomorrow but also for the long term future. Um, Preston, do you have to jump off? Yeah, I do, but that was perfect. Um, yeah, Chris. We'll chat, I'm sure, in the next like couple hours as usual. But uh, take it away, Andy. Thanks, guys. Okay, thanks very much. Um, <clears throat> so I apologize if I ask any uh, stupid questions, just because I obviously am not as, um, I guess, like versed in kind of your expertise. But 
something I kind of like to ask Preston or what I was asking Preston before we got on was like, <clears throat> you obviously do a ton of data and, and metrics and things like that. You run models and you, to get to where we are now. And obviously things did not go as they were planned, you know, like that was obviously yeah. we, you can't really factor into your models about injuries. I mean, you probably have some kind of like uh, variable, but do we still, are, are we still in the data when we're playing the way we have to play now with, you know, um, kind of like league two, you know, like we're just trying to survive to some extent, like, obviously we're not trying to survive. We're, we're playing well and we're, we're higher up the table now than we were, but like, do you have to abandon the data at some point? <laughs> um, I try not to abandon the data at any point because that's going to be really key for us and for our long-term future and even in this season. Yeah. Um, so my, the key thing from my perspective is that we've picked, we picked up eight points in our last, from our possible 12 and, you know, Lewis is doing a fantastic job since coming in. Uh, the key from my side of it is that we are still not performing to the level that we should be, um, even though we've picked up some good points recently. Uh, against some really tough, tough teams as well. Um, so I mean, Newport, um, you know, that was a great, that was a great win and very much needed. Um, but since then, Newport have really gone on leaps and bounds since they've brought brought their new manager in. Um, they've got, they've had positive results, but also um, positive performances. Um, Mansfield, on the other hand, since playing us and losing to us, they've gone on a bit of a slide. They're not playing anywhere near as well now. Um, they've dropped off quite a bit. Um, having uh, have, uh, from from the modelling side, the data side, and from also from my perspective and from what I've seen, they were up there in the top three teams in the league, if not the best, at one point. Um, they're just very, very strong, well drilled, and we saw that in the game against us. They they're just a big, strong team, but they can also play football, um, and they're, they're really difficult to play against. But um, I've not watched. I don't think I've watched any of their games close enough since playing us to really know whether or not or why exactly they've dropped off but in terms of performances they've dropped off quite a bit then you look at uh, Colchester I mean uh, yeah Colchester performances have been uh, they've been pretty pretty similar since we played them Um, but then we also had a great we got a great point against Bradford who are up there in the they're going to be battling for a playoff place come the end of the season at the moment, anyway. Uh, when we look, when we look at the, well, yeah, look at the expected outcomes and the predicted points levels going forward. Um, but again, like the performance from that game was really Jekyll and Hyde. I felt from us, yeah. where the first half was absolutely incredible from us. Like I, um, and some of the players will, you know, they've owned up to some of the mistakes they've made in that game and discussions I've had with them this week in terms of the things that they could have done better. Um, and, yeah, you know, there's a good chance we should have been 1 0 up at half time in that game. We just, um, but we paid the price. Um, and there's been a few, few, few issues around fitness. Um, but that's been, you know, that's all been tweaked and we're getting better. That's getting better and better coming on now um, based on the training methodology. Uh, and that's been that's been really really important. But, but the the players in that first half, they they got Lewis's game plan bang on. 
they knew exactly they got and that's how we we didn't create that many chances but we could have created more shots if that makes sense yeah from the from a expected goals perspective we didn't have that higher that higher number it could have been a lot higher had our final ball been a lot better mm-hmm. um in the final third but they ran so hard in that first half and they just could not maintain that over 45 minutes especially considering the physical and emotional energy they've exerted from the past couple of weeks um, yeah. and also a, mid- a midweek game as well um and so second half of the Bradford game we we dipped off quite heavily. We conceded far too many shots. Um, I mean, Bradford had their highest amount of shots, I think, this season. Um, and most of those coming in the second half against us. And That's something we know we need to improve. We need to improve our fitness. Um, but we also need to make sure that we're not going completely all out in the first half so that players are burn- like burning out massively. Um, Is- and that's a case of using our squad better as well. Yeah, I was going to ask, does that, do you think that some of that has to do with the fact that um, we just, we don't sub a ton? We don't, you know, like, or we haven't been? Like, is is that just a matter of, like, management? And I don't mean that to be, like, sometimes I ask a question and I feel like it's probably rude, you know, on my (laughs) part. But I'm just, like, literally, like, wondering, like, is that something you can prevent through opting out players at more pivotal points of the game, or is it? Just yeah, I mean, well, inevitable. Uh, as an Arsenal fan, I expect you to be quite rude, Andy. Quite frankly, but um, yeah. I just wanted to get that that, that in now. Um, but hey, we, other, we're wearing the same jersey right now. Chris. I know well, exactly. That's all that matters. We're matching. <laughs> I, knew, I, I I wanted to say that earlier. I was like, oh, matching, matching. Um, <laughs> no, sorry, lost train of thought. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we could definitely do a better job in terms of, um, you know, making the right changes. Um, not just making the right changes, but making more changes. I think that, you know, that's something. And I think it's really important that, you know, bringing on fret, but it's, just, but it's not making changes for changes' sake, if that makes yeah. sense. That's really yeah, yeah. also really important. <laughs> so if you, you can end up ha- you know, really losing an impact of a particular player who's, although they're coming to a point where they're going to burn out um, or not be as effective, but they may have a certain skill set that's going to help you win the game going forward. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, it's always, it's a difficult science. That's probably a bit more art than science from my perspective, despite the fact there's strong data that suggests it. But there are certain times where, let's say, for example, um, let's say Ludi, for example, Ludi Francio, is you know he he may be tired at some point, but if you think you've got a strong uh, edge in terms of aerial dominance from set pieces, yeah. um, so if you're going into and with the opposition being poor at set pieces, for example, you could think, okay, right, it might just be worth keeping him on because he you know from a set piece he's more likely to win the ball than maybe someone else. He just um, has that height, yeah. He's massive. Um, I guess um, so. I'll let you go in a second because I know that you just got home and you probably haven't like said hello to your family yet. Um, no, no, this is more important. Okay, good, good. I'm glad that you agree with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, so is it hard to factor in like with your data? And I don't mean to just focus on data, but like um, 
it's just it's interesting for me because I'm I've always been intrigued by kind of money ball uh athletics, I guess. Um it seems to some extent like I've talked to a lot of people about League Two and the National League, and a lot of people have described a lot of the way that teams play as ugly football or anti-football. Is there a way to model that? If it's like, you know, like, is there a way, like, because I know it initially when we when we set out on this season, there was a big plan on playing from the back, playing possession-based football, and it didn't seem to work as well in League Two. It worked great against upper-level teams. Like, obviously, like, that's where we dominated against Fulham in, in the Carabao Cup. But, like, if people are brutes you know to put it bluntly you know if they're if they're if they're just playing classic you know english football where it's like a lot of physicality it's winning the ball in the key areas and then having people who can take shots is there a way to to plan for that i mean yeah absolutely you can plan for it um i, I i'd actually argue my argument the for the fulham performance i would say that we were the reason we did so well in that was more for our pressing on the front foot, uh, which is, you know, something that we can translate across to other games, uh, especially in the, even even in uh, League Two, mm-hmm. we can bring that we can translate that across. In terms of trying to yeah model ugly football, yeah, you can look at data points in terms of long balls, um, uh, some of the different metrics in terms of progressive passing. You can look at that as well because some of the some players, um, uh, which well, Sorry, in terms of some of the like progressive passing and uh, completed passes in the final third, that which is pretty I mean, that happens at all levels of football, but they're pretty strong correlations to success in League Two. Um, and Jack Powell's one of those players who does that incredibly well and has done in League Two for the past couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you obviously you can pre- prepare for it, and there are, the, the teams play in slightly different ways, and I think. Like as I said uh, earlier in the Bradford game, the first half, Lewis's plan um, to set traps for them in terms of the pressing and then really pounce on them and take take advantage of the ball of, from a pressing position, win it as high up the pitch as possible, worked perfectly. And if it was just, as we just said, if it was if it wasn't for a better final ball, we would have been one or two nil up at half time. Um, so yeah, the key is while whilst we want to develop our own style, I think it's key that we're going to have to be pragmatic and have players. This I think that this is this is the same at all levels. Um, we talk about the physicality and a certain way of winning in League Two, but you need to you need to be pragmatic because not all teams play in the same way. Um, I lost my train of thought now. Sorry, because I was going to say something else on that. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, I mean Bradford they were keen to play out of the back, for example. Um, Stevenage have their way of playing where they've, they've been much more direct, um, almost bypassing that midfield. Um, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a pretty good, there's a pretty good heat map, the game against us where the uh, center of the pitch was completely missed out essentially, um, from, yeah, cause they were just going so direct. Um, they were really focusing on their balls out to the left wing. Um, but ha- yeah, you know, there are certain principles of play that we want to have, but you know, it's going to be key to be adaptive as well. Um, but I think, and this is at any level, the uh, the key to our playing style shouldn't be playing out of the back and possession football, but it's getting the ball up the pitch as quickly as possible. And that doesn't mean hoof ball, long ball, football. Sometimes it can be direct through the channels, 
uh, sorry, down the channels, or it can be direct through the lines, um, say into someone like uh, Jack Powell or Jake Hess and Tyler in the middle of the pitch for them to then either push out wide. Just the settled defence is harder to beat. Yeah, I mean, we need to progress the ball up the pitch as quickly as possible um, to ensure that we're in the final third and creating the chances and creating the chances for either Tom Nichols or Dom Telford or Ashley Nadison or whoever whoever the striker is. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I'm going to, I promised you a short conversation, like I said, so I don't want to take too much of your time. What do you think, obviously we kind of have this opportunity with the World Cup. I mean, there's obviously still League Two play happening, but it's going to be kind of, I feel like a reset in a way. We kind of have this gray area of fan attention and pace of play from now until Boxing Day, essentially. I mean, after Saturday. Um, what do you? What would you like to see for the, basically, like from now until January, as far as like, like in terms of obviously, what quality playing style or um and yeah like going into the going into the january transfer window things like that like is there any kind of i and you maybe can't say this too we can totally you know if you can't talk about it i can cut this too but um yeah i guess like what's your hope for other than obviously success like what's your hope for going going forward into the new year yeah, I think uh, getting some game time for some of our younger players. Um, I think there's going to be, you know, the, uh, <laughs> don't want to be disrespectful to our to the, the older, more experienced players who are in our squad who, you know, have done extremely well at this football club for a number of years. But at the same time, they're not going to be able to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday all the time. And we have a squad. Um, we have some good young players in there. Um, and just seeing them, have the opportunity to have a few more games. Um, I think that's going to be uh, that, that's something, especially as we're looking to try and build, or as we look to try and build a more sustainable football model, um, because these players are our players as well, and they, you know, we want them to have a successful career. And at the same time, the only way we're going to see them is by them playing games, um, and that's that's really really important, so that we can then make a decision come January whether or not we need to bring in a couple of new faces or look for other opportunities for some of those players out on loan maybe so that they get the appropriate development and then they're ready to come back into our team and fight for places the following year or uh, yeah, the following season. Cool. Um, are you excited to, well, you're probably excited that I'm coming back in a, in a couple Always. weeks. You're probably very uh, excited. Whenever you're around, Andy. Andy, Andy <laughs> whenever you're around, whenever you're around brings a smile to my face. Thank you. I appreciate that. I I'm I feel like it's going to be such a I I've slowly um gotten more and more used to Crawley in England and like I feel like it's like testing me more and more each time because we're just going into winter and I feel like all this like joy and excitement and like how lucky I am to get to work with this team is going to be very tested when it gets to like January, February when it's like you know, a degree or two above freezing, and we're just sitting there. No, no, know. no. It's not that. It's not the temperature you need to worry about. It's the wind and the freezing cold rain. Okay, that is kind of temperature, but the freezing cold rain is the worst. Yeah, um, and then and then it's also the daylight hours. So, um, I mean, it's what it's five sixteen, five seventeen here, uh, and it's pitch black outside now. Um, 
So yeah, that and that's only going to get shorter and shorter. Yeah, we have our we have we're in that one week window right now where you guys yeah. are only four, four hours ahead, and then yeah, we I, I, on... I always know that by the NFL timings. Of course, yeah, and we know it because uh, like what is it? The Europa League's on at four. Um, any parting words? Um, any parting words? Yeah, just uh, I'm absolutely loving this job and. Uh, I just hope I can bring success and help us climb the table. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a ple- been a pleasure working with everyone at Wagme as well. Right? Um, I can be a bit uh, stubborn sometimes in the way I think, um, but you know, that, and I don't always mean that to come across as being negative. But at the same time, I, you know, just want the best for the club and the best for everyone. So I appreciate it. Just so you know. I, I always appreciate I'm I'm a big fan as somebody who's worked in show business for the past decade somebody being like succinct is so much more valuable to me than somebody being like vaguely um you know like yeah let's see where that goes you know like I, I would much rather have somebody go like that won't work you know yeah, I kind of like, no let's not do that yeah I appreciate that about the English you guys are just very like I was actually like, I was listening to the Guardian podcast last night and they were talking about some movie and you guys, Barry and um, I forget the other guy's name, but he just said, that sounds dull. He just said that. But I think the English have a, a, an amazing ability to say something that is, could be offensive or negative, but it's, it's so matter of fact that it's not. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> that does sound dull, you know? Um, uh, so see, some, see, sometimes, uh, sometimes I think the British can really be like hold off in terms of how they approach things and be a bit more passive, passive aggressive. Well, definitely. I mean, you guys are passive aggressive, but there's like I don't know. You guys are just. You, I, I think you guys are better um, communicators in the sense of like you're able to kind of slip in some bad news in a more elegant way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to pick your brains about any examples of that when you're over. I'll think about a better example and, and um, I'll have some more uh, clarity as to um, what I'm actually trying to say. I feel like I need my uh, my cup of tea, which is something that I've I've slowly adopted. I got sick a couple of weeks ago and I'm like a very much like a three cups of coffee a day kind of guy. And I was like, I would have my morning coffee and then I was like, I'm going to have tea for the rest of the day because I don't feel great. And now I love tea. I love like... A cup. I I have Typhoo is the brand. Yeah, and with a with a dash of oat milk, and it's it's just my it's. I have like you know five a day now. Oh. <laughs> but you 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 wouldn't get that in France though. So what? Oat milk. No, they won't. They won't let me have it. I have to go to Starbucks <laughs> to get it. I feel like such a a yuppie. Um, well, thank you very much, Chris Galley. I appreciate you making time um, in your busy uh, schedule to do this. Thank you for having me. And um, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. See you then. Thanks, Chris. Bye.